You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. HuntStand is the most popular and functional mobile hunting app on the market. With a variety of base maps to choose from, satellite imagery that is updated every month, the ability to check the weather, no property information, and even catalog your trail cam picks, HuntStand even gives you the ability to import pins and location markers from other mobile apps. Visit HuntStand.com or download wherever you download your apps. Enter discount code SN20 at checkout for 20% off. Welcome to the Huntivore Podcast, powered by Sportsman's Empire, where we celebrate the hunting and fishing lifestyle through the utilization and consumption of our wild game. No egos. Fork in hand, beer in the other. No status. A piece of red meat on a hot grill and turn it into a burnt offering. Just catch it, cut it, cook it. This is episode 124, Barbecue Chat with Cowboy Kev and Mikey K. On this episode of Huntivore, Nick is joined by a couple of barbecue pitmasters, Cowboy Kev and Mikey K. Both of these guys live for the live fire pit and the low and slow lifestyle. You can find these guys at their own pit or even on their own podcast, Barbecue Chat. Nick tries to take advantage of their expertise by having them give him some pointers when cooking large cuts of pork. If you plan on putting something on the pit this weekend, Mikey and Kev have got you thinking about your own process. With a memorial holiday coming up fast, we need to get ourselves in the spirit of low and slow on this episode of Huntivore. And before we begin, I just want to say that there's going to be some sound quality issues on the first half of this episode. Uh, I'm going to have to chalk it up to me not having some settings in the right way. But all in all, I think we salvaged the whole conversation. So please stick through it and enjoy because there is some great information to be gleaned from this whole episode. With that said, enjoy the show. Folks, beautiful evening here in Michigan. I tell you what, uh, we saw the sunshine today, that big orb in the sky. It's on fire. It surprises me all the time because we never really get to see it. And, yeah, we were full full sun today. I think I even got a little bit of sun on my cheeks, but uh, that's neither here nor there tonight. We are joined uh, by a couple gurus here of the barbecue world. I tell you what, those that sunshine was making me think of barbecue. It's making me think of charcoal. And I am on deck here with the Barbecue Chat podcast crew. We got Cowboy Kev and we got Mike K on the line. Gentlemen, thank you so much for uh, coming on this evening. Cheers. No problem, bud. Happy to. Yeah, Mike, you got uh, you got something in the uh, the sleeve there. What are you drinking tonight? 
drinking a little bit of cool Coors Light. Oh, there you go. There you Keeping go. Keeping it classy. <laughs> He's down in uh, Florida right now, waiting on a part for uh, uh, for his slide. For fifth wheel. Yeah, for your fifth wheel. But I was going to say you're down in Clearwater, Florida. So I mean, I don't feel too bad for you. I wouldn't. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, we also got Cowboy Kev. Now I'm I'm trying to put all the connections together. I was trying to get the inside scoop from Mikey here. Um, you're, you're based out of Connecticut, but at the same time, yep. you're rocking the cowboy hat is, are you from Connecticut or is that, is just the cowboy hat has just been your thing. Born and raised here, but I've been doing, I've ride horses, love country music and just been my thing. Okay. So you are rodeo star there. Um, <laughs> I, I take it probably not English style. You seem to be Western style guy to me. <laughs> you get into yeah. uh, a lot of trail riding. You get into roping. What what aspect of uh, horsemanship are you? Mostly trail riding. I was uh, learning a little bit of um, crap. Now I can't think of the name of it. But it's like stunt riding. So doing like the spins and that kind of stuff. Oh my goodness! Yeah, real talent. My sister-in-law is yeah. <laughs> my sister-in-law is big into horsemanship, um, and since marrying my brother, they now have their own little pasture of. I think they got three horses now, and so I I always like to give them a hard time. I'm like, you look at you, just just throwing money right there on the ground so that these horses can eat it. Hay burners here. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, gentlemen, I wanted to have you guys on. Um, if you haven't tuned into uh, the Barbecue Chat podcast, you're going to find that on, uh, fellas, you're going to have to help me out. It's on uh, on Instagram that you guys post that. Is that Am I correct? On Instagram and on YouTube. Instagram and YouTube. Uh, Sunday nights, 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock, when are you guys on? 7 Central, 8 on the East Coast. And then you can go do the math the other way. But we go live every single weekend. Well, mainly every single weekend that we can. Uh, sometimes we do, uh, you know, skip a week or two. But it, it it's, it's just a chat show. You know what I mean? You can throw in your questions. You can do whatever you want. And we'll try to answer them the best that we can. And then we just talk about the topics. We bullshit a little bit. You know, it's the chat show. Gotcha. Yeah, I tuned in, and I tell you what, it's like standing next to the pit um, with just a group of people. Like, it was real low-key, loved that about that that whole aspect. I felt really engaged into talking about it, and maybe it's just, I mean, people getting around, uh, you know, hot coals, people getting around smoked meat, people are getting around a spot that they're going to be for a while, and it was just great conversation. And that's why I was like, man, I got to be able to get these guys on. We got to talk about meat. We got to talk about uh, wild game. I guess that's my first question to you fellas. Um, are you are you solely into the uh, the barbecuing side of domestic, or do you, are you guys sportsmen as well? Do you guys get out and enjoy hunting and fishing? I'll let you go, Mike, first. Uh so I, I do a commercial. So we own a food truck 
Uh, we're called Fire and Smoke Barbecue out of Chicago, Illinois. Kind of. Uh, we're moving. We're moving down to Florida. So it, 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 we're changing location, right? But I do like since I do it commercially. I don't get into the wild game stuff because le- the legalities of cooking that and selling it to the public is kind of non-existent. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. it's very, very difficult. So even on the, on the personal side, just being on the truck, being at the, the commercial uh, spot that you guys have set up, there's just not a lot of time elsewhere. Like, this is the hobby. This is the life, and that's your dedication at that point. Pulling away for a week to go to deer camp, you're like, listen, we don't we don't got time for that. We got mouths to feed. We got a show to get ready for. Gotcha, gotcha. So Mikey is all in on the commercial side. So then, Kev, have you got a chance to dabble in the outdoors? Seeing how you got the horses, so, yeah. If got, I don't. I'm not into the going and getting the meat. I have a pile of friends that do. So. I get to cook a lot of it for them. I've done a lot of, I've done uh, wild hog for those guys. They, they really like to go up and, and go looking for them. So that's been the biggest one. I do some venison, but mostly wild hog for these guys. Gotcha. The wild pork is probably where you shine the most. Well, good. I, uh, we've got a few questions about that because that's my my big thing is I and again I'm not commercial I'm fully home cook I'm fully utilizing and consuming everything that I hunt fish go get even purchase I, I get I want to get a chance to know my grower or know my packer um, getting out and just finding someone I mean at this point deals as far as like getting meat cheap I think that's long long gone. Now at this point, yeah. um, I think with not just to say that COVID brought that out, but I think just the system in general um, and as far backlog as things are, you're not going to find cheap cuts. You're not going to find just cheap meat anywhere. Um, is barbecue now become with without these cheap cuts anywhere, knowing that that was the background of barbecue? Is barbecue going to start to raise its nose up in the air? Are we going to become a distinct style of cooking or cuisine almost is this going to be like an american cuisine there's mexican cuisine italian cuisine is barbecue going to kind of become its own thing that's going to have some real nuances to it so we've talked about this a lot on the show that to us that barbecue is the american cuisine it's definitely something that you know when you look at look at people make barbecue restaurants, American style barbecue restaurants, the rest of the world. So it has been elevated and that has caused a price increase to the meats that we per if you're purchasing them, but it's it's still it's a it's in a weird place. Because to a lot of people, it's still the backyard. It's simple cooking to them. So it's hard, especially if you're not in a barbecue land, 
you know, the Texas, the Carolinas. It's hard getting people the rest of the country to understand that that's what's going on with barbecue and why there's, you can run out and you want me to run out. You don't want me to hold it for the next day and do things like that. You want it to be a run out cook. So as so. the, even as the run out cook is going, you're still purchasing meat for that next day, or you've already got, you're, you're purchasing meat for the day down because you've got stuff either soaking in a marinade or brining at that point. So my goodness, what an operation that this is. It's like you're, you're thinking days out with the hope and prayer that you're going to sell everything that day. Is that going to take some calculation? Is that going to take uh, some almost crystal ball-esque type of looking as far as what are your numbers going to be and what is it going to take to, to sell all this meat? Am I going to have to hold back a few pieces because it looks like rain's coming, weather doesn't look great? Or, oh, dude, it's going to be a weekend. We have, you know, this music festival. Dude, let's get double the amount of beat. Is it? Does it take a lot of that, like, know-how, that guesswork? Oh, Mike. Mikey's talking, but we can't hear him. He asked a great question, but he's still breaking up. So he's thinking about your dinner before you've even eaten the meal before. Gotcha. Holy smokes. So he's got to be, we have to be ahead. And like you said, looking at the weather, what I'm doing, where I'm going, and understanding what our costs are in order and what we want to make for a profit. Because anything we leave there with is lost money. Yeah, there's no tomorrow. Like you're, you're selling it today. Nobody wants next day barbecue. Nobody wants Correct. stuff from overnight. Now, culinary side, I mean, shoot, in my eyes, chili gets better day three and day four. But at the same time, as far as selling barbecue, people want to see that coming off the spit. They want to see that coming off the pit, sliced up right then and there. The reheat, I'm sure, is not a not a desirable thing, at least off, yeah. off the commercial side of that. You're there for the now. You're there to sell it hot off the smoker. So that does add, man, that adds a lot of pressure. What is uh, bang for buck as far as economical cut that you guys are going to make the most profit on? Is it going to be beef? Is it going to be that brisket, those ribs? <laughs> I already see him taking that. No, no, no. Or are we going to look at the humble hog here? Is the pork side, is that the true moneymaker for the barbecue specialist? If he can he answer today? <laughs> nope. He's got so much insight. Try jumping back in. Yeah, try. Let's kick you out and let's uh, let's get you back in. We've got some technical difficulties here. We're work. I shoot. I think it's Florida. I think it's that doggone inter- interference he's from Florida that man fifth right wheel. Now. Yeah, he's Florida man. <laughs> but no pork generally is the one that you can stretch it is on the cheaper side and it feeds a lot of people. So that's why, especially like you've got all that whole, that hog 
a pork shoulder, a pork butt, you can feed a lot of people, especially when you come up with cool menus that, you know, pull pork mac and cheese, things like that, where you can stretch that pork and make it go even further and still bring people good product. Because things like you talked about chili, for us or for somebody like Mike with a food trailer, he doesn't have any place to make that and have that like sitting for three days. He doesn't have the refrigeration and everything to bring that in. So now, yeah, that, now we can hear you a little bit. There you go. Kev was just going in that uh, uh, pork is where you're able to stretch things out and how being in your trailer setup, um, there, you don't have a lot for holdover as far as like refrigeration and everything. Like everything's set up for. Yeah, no, we don't hold anything. Yeah. So the issue that we really have in that sense is we make what we're willing to risk. So if I'm willing to risk five briskets, eight shoulders and four or five pork bellies, that's what I'm willing to risk that day. And if I sell out, I sell out. And if it happens where it's like, it's an early sellout, I'm sorry. Like you got, should have got there earlier. And that's kind of the the game that we play. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, up here in Michigan, that's we do have a barbecue joint near us, and it's still foreign to us as far as, like, they themselves, when they opened their restaurant, they had to get us used to the idea that they're going to sell out. Like, we would show up on, like, a, a Sunday afternoon, and I would say, like, oh, yeah, give me some of that pulled pork. And they're like, nope, all we got is brisket and sausage. Well, what the heck happened with all your other stuff? And as much as they were having to train us on being ready to do that, we were also part of their guinea pigs as far as, well, shows up. I mean, this Sunday crowd, they really want their pulled pork. So let's let's throw another couple butts on there. And it's we laugh at it now because at first we were like, oh, yeah, this place ain't going to make it. <laughs> they're they're going to run down. But they trained us up just as much as, as we were able to train them. Uh, getting them to that so that is totally a unique idea at least for us here in the north that we just we just don't understand that yeah well most of us up in the rest of the country are used to going to a steakhouse if they need a steak they just go in and and get one yeah and cook it a a brisket like mike said we're we're thinking about what you're gonna eat for dinner day before so we have to start there and hope you're going to show up in time before it's gone. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. That's just a, it's, you know, Hey, when the way, the, the way that meat is going, man. Yeah. That's, this is the great, great setup of it because those, those tender high dollar cuts are going to go to, yeah, they're going to get picked up by the steakhouses. They're going to get picked up by people around, but now there's that magical transformation that happens where you apply heat at just the right uh, 
just at the right temperature for the right duration where you guys are applying that in a very special, very concise way that you're going to be turning stuff that if you just put a quick sear on it, you'll be able to pick it up off that griddle and bounce it and have it be real rubbery, real tough. But at the same time to do the magic of taking these hard cuts Break, letting them break down inside of your smoker, letting that slow heat go to work. But at the same time, take what what people would think as far as flavorings or seasonings. Shoot, you're taking dried branches. You're taking dried hunks of wood and applying a different flavor profile just depending on which piece of wood is going into that. It's just a total artistry uh, that you guys are, are doing. How long, Kev, did it take you to feel like, okay, I think I have this down. I think I have an understanding of what I'm doing. So it took yesterday me a couple of years. <laughs> yeah, yesterday. Yesterday, yeah, yesterday was when I picked it. I understood it probably a year, year and a half to say I've perfected it. And I'm, I'm, Michael tell you the same thing. I haven't. I still have days where you think it's going one way and it is not. Because that's the beauty of fire. It's not an exact it's not an exact science. It's it really is art, which is what we talked about the other day. You're guiding yeah. it. Guiding it along, you can have checkpoints as far as temperatures go. You can have a sense of feel as I've I've been here before in this stall, or I've been here before in where it it looks like it's done, but it still needs another couple hours. But at the same time, given different elements, you can control the temperature pretty well. You can contribute, or you can then kind of help out the the uh, humidity but again even the environment is going to take in you know a hold of that too so that's going to just offer you offer folks again something that you're going to have to continue to play with i love that even the professionals here are saying that it it's going to be an art that it's you're guiding it along because there's a lot of times where i'll be doing my own little setup in my own backyard and i'm i'm telling folks yeah it's going to be a little while well, how long is a little while? I I couldn't even give you a ballpark. It could be 20 minutes. It could be another hour. I'm not exactly sure. <laughs> well, when you start doing it commercially, you start to learn the amount of hours you really need to give yourself, right? So being in the backyard and you're cooking one brisket, you can baby it. You can push it through a stall. You can force it to go faster. You can do all these kind of things. Um, and you can do it in you can do it in the commercial aspect of it too. We we do it all the time. Uh, there's times where it's like, hey, this brisket stalled, and fucking, we gotta go. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we got a catering that needs to be there. So you know we've learned different tricks and different techniques to push, to push things sometimes. Um, 
Now, do we do that all the time? No, we try not to. We try not to do it as much as possible. We try to let, let the uh, routine take it, you know, take its course, right? But there are tricks that you can't do. Gotcha. Let's say I'm stalled out. What is something that I can do just in the backyard? I got one brisket that you I can wrap. Crunch. What do I do? Yeah. You can wrap in butcher paper. You can wrap in foil if foil. you don't have butcher paper. You can do the um, butcher paper foil boat, which is wrapping it in butcher paper and then put it into a full pan and then foil over the top of it, which is going to create more heat deflection into it so that there's not as much heat being pushed out of it. Okay. Um, so it just depends on how fast you need to move it and, you know, what your timing is. But there, there's all these different ways to do it. You know, you can protect just the flat. You can protect just the point. It depends on where you're at. Gotcha. It depends on your cooker. Yeah. The, the other thing you'll find that backyard people don't do that commercially operations do. We want to hold our meat. We want to put it in a cooler, in a cambro for three, four hours. But that three, four hours also gives you a window to adjust for things like the stall. And if it takes you a little bit longer and you know you gotta, you're planning on a four-hour hold, hey, I can let it go a little longer. There's, there's tricks like that that we'll say most people for barbecue really commercially, we don't cook it and pull it right off and slice it and serve it to you. That's like one of the biggest mistakes you can do you want to let you want to hold it you want to let it rest and i mean there's the the idea that like some guys will use their smokers as holding boxes you know to make it look like it's coming off the pit that shit was not just that didn't just hit 203 and then he pulled it and sliced it it it, it was done hours ago Gotcha. And it, gotcha. and it was being held in that smoker for the show aspect of it to kind of fool the public in a sense. Um, a lot of times, if you see smokers going at a barbecue restaurant and you're eating brisket right now, that brisket went on yesterday. Gotcha. They're doing tomorrow's. Brisket at that moment today, yeah. Correct. Gotcha. Oh, guys, I feel like I feel like I've peeked behind the curtain. I'm looking at Oz right now, just like man, I've been I've been duped, I've been fooled, but now I see now I see the light. <laughs> hey, there are places that cook days ahead, wrap them, let them cool down, and then warm them back up. Because that does stuff like if you've ever eaten something that you smoked and you did save some and you reheated it a couple days later, 
the smoke flavor is stronger in it. Like you talked about the chili. Yeah. That sitting, the con- condensation, and it gives it time to work its way through. There are restaurants that literally the briskets are done two days before. And then they let then that stall, they up. let that, or not stall, excuse me, they let that holdover in the chiller. They let everything meld together. They let the meat relax. They let it do it, go sure. through its the course. And then, yeah, bring that up in some sort of heat, whether it's an oven, whether it's uh, whatever they're trying to do at that point, and then serve that up then. Wow, that's cool. That's cool. I mean, shoot, that's a great way to take all the work that they did off that smoker and make sure that that is exemplified. Um, just because you are going to get the, the the work, the flavor that you guys added to that. So, yeah, for the, the restaurant, that works out good. But then at the same time, you roll up in a truck, not a whole lot you can do at that point. Yeah, I mean, it's just a little bit different in that sense. Yeah. Well, so, guys, I'm going to lay out a, a picture here. I kind of want to transition into into hogs and i know kev you were talking specifically you had worked with some wild hogs so we're gonna we're gonna bank on some of your expertise um mike did i see that you you've got some experience in the butchery world have you been a, a meat cutter or were you a, a butcher in a, in a shop uh, for you? i've not gotcha i've done events with uh certified angus beef so we've done a bunch of stuff with them and they bring you into, you know, the coolers and they allow you to take apart a half a cow and show you all the cuts and show you all the things and do all that kind of fun stuff. And I've read a decent amount of kind of butchery books to learn what cuts go where, how to do what. And all that. Gotcha, gotcha. So by the time you're getting pieces of meat, we're we're into the cryovac. You've got like a primal or a subprimal that, yeah, you're going to have to either skim off a fat cap or you're going to have to take off. Um, you know, you might even have a shoulder where you got to separate into the pork butt and into the picnic at that point. Um, when I when I went on this hog hunt, I, uh, yeah, I went deep dive, do, deep dove into hog butchery so yeah youtube ventures for shoot you'd find a 45 to an hour long video i just put a little scotch in a glass and i'm like here i am buckle up we're gonna take notes um found me a couple books uh to kind of look through and so yeah then i show up in oklahoma um i went with i wanted to bring as much as much of the hog back as possible i wanted to preserve i want as much as the meat i also wanted to preserve the fat um, I have real grand aspirations of using the skin. So my, my first task was figuring out how I'm going to get this thing, get the hair off it, but at the same time, preserve that fat underneath without having to skin it. Um, I brought down my propane torch and that trick, the trick of torching a hog, uh, even on the wild side, I was impressed. Um, I, I, talk to a guy who who does that for a living he does custom butchery and so first one he does is his go-to is the scald method where you know full dunk hot water yep yep comes back out scrapes it down um 
But then he had some customers who I think they were middle, not Middle Eastern, excuse me. They were Eastern European descendant. And they were like, no, no, we want this hog torched. We love the flavor of a torched hog. And literally, I took my propane torch. It's one of the, you know, the big yard weed, weed burner. And I just went to town just on the side of that thing. As much BTUs as I could put into it. Got all that hair off after a scrub. Smells that fun. Yeah. That wild Got beast, the, well, the smell wasn't even bad. I thought it was going to be one of those, like, here we go. It's like singed hair up the wazoo. I thought it was going to end up being my clothes. I thought there was going to be this smoke plume. All that stuff just, it melted into this molten, I, yeah, it melted. It didn't even really, like, ash up as thought as, I, as much as I thought it would. And then I scraped that away, and that that hairy beast turned into something that was very familiar. It looked like a hog. It looked, or excuse me, it looked like a pig that it would be at a farm. And then, I mean, it is. Exactly. It's the same thing. And then as soon as I then got to that first layer, I bubbled up the outer epidermis, outer layer of that skin, and scraped that off. It, eaten, it even brightened that up. So it took a lot of that, that outer tough layer off, and it really then looked like something I pulled out of, you know, the fair. That's, it really looked like one of those that I had found there. Ended up having two of them. One of them had to be a sow that was, we guessed, right around 250 pounds. It, she was nice. the same size as I was. As far as, like, I, I have a picture with me standing in between the two halves, and it's like it's all the way from my shoulders to my knees. Just massive animal. And so going through this process, breaking them down, I actually tripped them up to Michigan uh, 15 hours. I had I had so many coolers in the back of my truck. The one guy, or the one the host that was having us down there, he's like, I don't know if we're gonna fill all those. And then at the end of the trip, he was like, Man, I don't. I think you need one more cooler. I think we can go get you another hog uh, and fill that thing up. But I got them home and got them into. I have a eight foot long freezer that at the far, at my. Uh, parents turkey farm wasn't using at the time and i put a little uh, thermostat controller on there so i could keep it at a chiller so i was at like 34 degrees and i let everything set in there as far as i took the whole halves and i left them in there for a couple days so that i could let that fat really just solidify up didn't freeze it but then i came through and then i started to actually butcher it so got my loin sections got my belly um we want to try the bacon, and that's going to be something I'm really going to try to do. I'm hoping it's thick enough. Um, worst come, I mean, worst case scenario, I just have bacon spaghetti as as it you know, works its way down real thin. We'll find a way to use it. But as I was breaking this down, my attention really focused on that front shoulder. I I didn't want to cut it up like a deer. I didn't want to take the shoulder off and then turn the rest into sausage. I was going to have plenty of other uh pieces that i'm going to have for sausage but i then i just took those shoulders those shoulder sections and cut it straight down the middle so that i had the pork butt and i had the pork picnic um as far as i was looking at them the butt is the section that's going to hold the uh blade that's going to have the the shoulder blade whereas the picnic is going to hold the the humerus and a bit of the, yep. um, not the hawk, but anyway, part of the shank anyway. Yep. I'm now ready to... Depends on where you cut it. 
Yeah, yeah. Now I'm ready to get these things onto a smoker. Preferably not an easy bake oven. I don't want to plug it in. I want to use charcoal. I'm a man here. Okay, I got cojones. Let's do this. That's a good shout out. (laughs) That's a good shout out to my buddy who's. (laughs) He's got a Traeger, and I love to just bust his balls about it. I mean, as far as getting into barbecuing, I figure that's a great way to get somebody started. But at the same time, like at that point, like after you use it for a while, granted, I mean, what an entry step into there. It's such a pricey unit. Just getting one of those uh, those pellet grills. Just buy a barrel. Yeah. Just buy buy... the same price range. Oh, but I've got these two pieces of meat. I'm ready to get out there. What are going to be some of my preparations that I'm, if I'm going to want some amazing pulled pork, walk me through what I want to do with, with either the butt or the picnic. I mean, I would go for the butt over the picnic. Um, but it's, it's simple. I mean, a pork shoulder is the redheaded stepchild of barbecue. You can beat it, and it still turns out pretty okay. Uh, you know, I mean, get a good rub, something with do- that doesn't have a ton of sugar in it. Get a good rub, put a good rub on it. Uh, don't don't marinate it. Don't inject it. Don't do any of that crazy shit. Just put a good rub on it. Get good smoke on it. Wrap it, pull it, and reseason. Simple, stupid, huh? Yeah, the, the nice thing about wild hogs is they eat such a variety that one of the things I would tell you to do is you'll hear a lot of people, they'll try to trim off all the fat because they go, oh, there's all kinds of fat inside the meat. No. One, wild hogs tend to actually be a little bit leaner with that fat. Because they're running around. So leave more, leave that outside fat. But it that's, you are going to get some cool flavors because that is storing, depending on where it, where it's running around, what it's eating. So you can get some really good flavors out of that. And if you take your time with a good rub, it's you're not going to get a super heavy gamey flavor to it. Which is what people freak out about. Absolutely. Absolutely. With, with any time it's, it's wild game. Oh, it's going to be game. It's going to have this weird flavor. Well, it's just not going to taste like corn and soybean. Like, Correct. cause they're going to be eating everything else. I mean, that is, we hear that time in and time out with comes to venison. Like, Oh, that buck's been up in a cedar swamp eating all it. But that doesn't, we're eating a wild animal here. Like, that was the whole reason you chased after it. And that's the whole reason why we're eating this thing is we didn't want something that stood out in a pasture and was finished on grain or finished on grass. Like, this thing was finished on, shoot, it was finished on beating another buck's ass. It was chasing does. It was eating cedar. And that's a wildness that, man, I... I'm one that I desire stuff like that. That like really gets me excited and to hear people downplay it. And I, I know, again, it's one of those, it's a naive thing. It's, it's somebody who they have not had that experience of something that doesn't taste like corn, like soybean 
So what term do they give it? And that's where they go into the, the gamey aspect. The gamey. Yeah. Because on these hogs, yeah, I was I was impressed with how much fat that they do have, especially along the back. A whole lot of fat there, and that was one desire that I had was I want to bring the skin on. I want to protect as much of that fat on there so it doesn't get loaded or waterlogged or I need to, like, cut it off because now it's full of dirt or whatnot. Now at this point, I just take off the rind, take off the skin, and I leave as much of that fat as possible. So I do Boil like that you're going there. Yeah, we've done a, a we've done a rump roast, and um, yeah, the only thing that was left was the rind. We completely finished that off. My boys did the same thing. They were, and they're the ones that really kind of point stuff out to me. Uh, my wife is she's man, she's a trooper. She'll eat just about anything that I put out there. She will let me know like, hey, this one, eh, you know, something was off on that one. But at the same time, I asked her all about the flavor of the meat, and she was like, no, this is. This is quite good. So now, and like Mike okay. said, once you're you've done it, one of the biggest mistakes people make with pulled pork, and Mike said it at the end, re-season it because you're only seasoning before you cook it. You're only seasoning the outside edge. Well, that's a big piece of meat. That seasoning is not going all the way to the center. I mean, you're seasoning about 5% of the meat. Gotcha. So. Essentially the crust. I mean, shoot. Season 5% of your steak. Cook it. And tell me how much seasoning you got out of it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It, that, that's the problem with that most people don't understand. That's why they try injecting. That's why they try doing all these crazy shit. You don't have to do that. You just re-season. Mix it through. And you're good to go. Now, I personally save all my juices and all that, and I put it into it afterwards so that you get all that pork juice flavor and all that fun stuff. But not everyone has to do that. You don't have to if you don't want to. But always hit it with some seasoning again. Gotcha. And this is after the the shred. So Yes. Okay. So I let it rest, let it do its thing, shred this whole thing up, and as as I got it splayed out all over the board or all over the pan, then I come back through with that same rub to then work yep. into the pieces that weren't exposed to the outside, the ones Correct. that were deep in the middle. Good, yep. good. Yeah, good, great tip. There. That's pro tip right there, commercial tip. And that's the same reason why you said save. So what we'll do is we'll – it'll be – that pork will be in a pan. So we save all of that juice – and we don't throw, we don't pull it out, shred it, and throw that away. We take that, and that goes back in. Yeah, good deal. That gets mopped in. I mean, just poured in, mopped in. Do you have? Will I have some absorption from that meat? Will it begin to absorb a little bit of, of that yes. uh, fluid as well, or is it one of those where yeah. I'm just like mop it in and then put it on? No, it'll absorb. Plate? Oh, it'll absorb. It'll good. absorb for sure. Good deal. And you guys jump. Boys, I got to run. Oh. Hey, Keep Mikey. Going. Thanks for getting Keep on. Keep Kevin on. Guys, thank you so much. I'm sorry that I got to run early. Uh, I hear Mel doing some crazy shit, so. <laughs> we Gotcha. Florida woman starting to do something now, so <laughs> you got to go save that. <laughs> Cheers, my friends. Thank you so much for having us on. Hey, see Later, you, Mikey. Bye. 
Yeah, he's over with Dark Side of the Grill, which if you haven't followed him and watched him, he's uh, an entertaining person. Oh, good, good. Dark Side of the Grill, you said. What's his name again? Yep. Uh, Mel. Mel. All right. He's actually on his way to Australia after Florida for meat stock. Oh, my goodness. Dry Age Steaks used to be a steakhouse-only indulgence. An old-world charcuterie was pricey due to being imported or created at a small batch-specific scale. Thanks to Umai Dry, their synthetic dry-aging bags and casings allow you to create these meat-crafting treats in your own kitchen. Working in tandem with your fridge, the Umai Dry bag material allows moisture and air to pass through, making it possible to dry-age large cuts of steaks or roasts. Paired with their curing and seasoning kits, along with safe and easy-to-follow instructions, salamis and dry sausage are well within your grasp. Use the link in the show notes and sign up for the newsletter to receive 10% off your order. Umai Dry, helping us elevate our wild game from the home kitchen. When in the field, accuracy and precision count. That's why we switch our slug guns to rifle barrels, tune our arrows, and use a fish finder on the water. But why should our drive for control end there? The Tapacue line of meat probes gives an instantaneous look at the temperatures of our prized meals, both internal and the cooking chamber. Tapacue uses sturdy hardware made and assembled here in the U.S., along with their user-friendly, sophisticated software that connects to your smart device. Whether it's a traditional corded probe or the new cordless air probes that give you a wealth of freedom where wires would just get in the way. Adding a Tapacue meat probe can significantly help in getting to that medium rare on venison or waterfowl, ensuring your upland bird stays moist, or even charting your long cooks on a smoker. Visit tapacue.com or find the link in the show notes and use the code HUNT10, all uppercase, at checkout to save 10%. Adding a probe to your kit can make you one tap away from your queue. Is he's the, a team big green egg guy. Oh, okay. Gotcha. I mean, if I got to throw my team out, I'm PK, three or team PK. Love my, love 360 it. 360 or regular? He, say it again. 360 or the regular? Oh, the regular. I I got it on clearance from Ace Hardware. Nice. And I feel like it's my little treasure. And I tell you, a lot of meat has been cooked on that. And a lot more meat will be cooked on that as well. Um, they, they work fantastic. Yeah, it's it's one of like you said, like with barbecue, it's it's simple. Like, don't complicate it. You, you we've got these tricks, we've got these things that we're gonna do, and with it, like I do, I just get my bed of charcoal on it, and if I want indirect, I move it off the one side. I get the little vents the way that I want them to go, and boom, let it do its magic. There's no fancy knobs, nothing. I use a probe, or I use a, like a Bluetooth or a wireless probe, but that's for my own like need to be able to know what the temperature I'm working at. But other than that, there ain't no plugins. There's no gizmos. It's just fire and meat. And, and that's, I have my, I have Bluetooth ones and I do it being in Connecticut. I get wacky weather, especially when I'm using my big offset. I have to feed wood every half hour, 45 minutes. So, and that's one of the unpredictable things about cooking with wood. Every piece doesn't burn the same way. So 
I like having that just as a guide to let me know, hey, I need I should go look at this and see what I should be doing. Gotcha. You guys jumped all over the pork butt in that scenario. And I, I mean, shoot, it was the longest question I've ever said, but I basically, I was leading up <laughs> to what I wanted to ask. Um, but I mentioned like, all right, what are we going to do with the pork butt and like versus the picnic? And I mean, Mikey jumped all over the pork butt. Why, why does the pork butt take, take key over the picnic? Fat. Just fat content. It has, it has more fat. So it's, it's, there's more intermuscular fat in there versus the picnic. So it pulls better. It's juicier than what happens with the picnic. So you can make a good picnic one, but it's a little harder. The other thing is use a lot more bone in there versus the little sliver that you pull out of the blade. Yeah. You've got that humerus in there and that really takes up a lot of space. So that's kind of where that, why everybody jumps to the butt. Gotcha. In the, in the hunting world, we eat full nose to tail because that's what you're given. So that's yep. where now now I'm going to pose it to you. So I got this picnic. I want something that's going to resemble what I can get off the butt. Am I going to treat this differently? Do I want to brine this overnight or two nights? So I, I, I wouldn't brine it. Get that rind off. That's the other reason why... People tend to not like the picnic is you have that piece of rind all the way around and trying to trim that off and keep as much fat from underneath it on the meat is, is definitely a little trickier. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's where I may do not, not a brine. But when I start cooking it in the pan, I might add some like apple juice into that just to get some liquid in there because it is not going to have that same amount of fat. And the apple juice is just going to add that humidity aspect. Is that, is that what you're looking for? It's going to add a little bit of humidity because you're not going to get the, the fat liquefying and having all that liquid in there. So I'm just adding some with that. And then just keep probing it with, you know, your thermometer or something else when you start getting to that 200 temp range and feeling how it is. But remember, it's not going to pull apart the same way. Not going to be as shredded. Tends to be a little more chunky from what I when I've cooked it. Gotcha. Would that uh, would that like be helpful then if I go with a chopped pork? as opposed to a a shredded where let's say I approach a butt I know that's going to shred apart that's that sexy part I put on the uh the really expensive black gloves and I get my hands in there and just work that thing out versus now I get well 
I get to bring my brig chopper out, and we get to chop that meat on the picnic. Yep. Is that going to be a good approach, go with the chopped as opposed that would, to? That's not a bad way to go because it's going to have a different texture. Gotcha, gotcha. No, this is all good stuff because as I'm looking at it, I'm, you know, I work with a lot of different proteins, and I work with, you know, either long or short. And so the more that I break into the animal, yeah, I get into – getting to be in there and go this full circle aspect of seeing it in its environment, taking it out, lugging it up the hill, field dressing it, cutting it down to pieces. Like you, you soon start to understand things about this. And so now I'm into this cooking aspect. I'm, I'm about ready to come full circle and finish out this animal's life, like total Mufasa style where it's the great circle circle. And now now, yeah, now it's we're getting to the nitty gritty. It's amazing that a few muscles just north of a couple other muscles have a completely different reaction to how things are going to work out. Yeah, they they're definitely different, and that's why there's different cuts, and there's different ways to cook different cuts because they will react differently. If you try to take a pork loin. And you try to take that loin and cook it like you do a pork shoulder, it's not very good. No. That likes to be a solid piece that you're going to cut or gnaw right off versus trying to cook it down and break it down as much. I, The boar that I got, just as you were you were talking about that, I I got to the point where I kept, I kept his um, the I guess the rib section of the loins, I kept those together as far as a double chop, so I made myself yep. a couple double chops through the vertebrae. Um, Michigan is a CWD state. I don't know if you know a lot about that in Connecticut, but we've got the. Uh, chronic wasting disease it's a it's in the spinal cord it's in the brain and so now if you're going to butcher your own deer at least here in michigan i've taken the practice where that's just those are zones i don't break into stay away from yep um i try to get my deer tested um so i you know do my whole process box it up put it away when i get my test results back and it you know tells me hey it is (laughs) the way the test is yeah, yeah it was one of those things like it it does not detect whatever it is it doesn't it doesn't give you a yes or no it gives you a it's there or it's not so anyway when i get the it's not beautiful we can break into that but i just play it safe on on all that stuff but now i get into the wild hog and it's like that's not a thing that i need to worry about at this point so we've gotten the chance to do those double chops and yeah just as you said i and even on that loin section to take that beautiful meat and hit it with a hard sear and do it fast on, you know, direct heat, direct coals, and be able to pull that off, like, mm, that's just right where it needs to be. As soon as you put that on for a long period of time, you yeah, you're taking all that beautiful, succulent, tender meat and just almost at that point constricting it, getting all the moisture out of it, and then, yeah, you're left with, like, oh, man, it's real subpar at that point. So yep. I love how you did say, like, depending on the cut, you are going to approach yep. that differently exactly and like you were talking about making bacon i'll tell you there's two things you can do with that belly you can do pork belly burnt ends which are absolutely fantastic 
or some people call it um, pork belly brisket, where you season it and you treat it like a brisket. So a heavier pepper rub on it and you you keep it as a big chunk and you let it go eight hours or so and you slice it like you're slicing the flat of a brisket. Oh my. And you get a different texture and you get that fat, but it's it's meltier with the pepper like a brisket. I've got a couple sections that I don't think are going to do well uh, as far as like a like a traditional cured bacon. Um, I'm looking at the idea of rolling it like a pancetta so that at least like when I slice it, now I have a, a spiral or like a, a pinwheel that that's what I can sear. But I'm thinking now a couple of these sections, we're not going to tie these up. We're going to go with this pork brisket idea. Yep. That's really good. If you still have skin on it, the other thing you can do is you can put a salt crust over the skin and you cook it so that that turns to like a crackling. All right. This is what we're going because for. Because the salt pulls all the moisture out, dries the skin, and now so now you get this crunch with the fat and into the meat. You get these, you get three distinct textures. Oh, wow. Basically, what you do is once it's cooked, you pull off all the salt. Because the skin does what skin does, it doesn't really let the salt go through it. It just dries that out. Am I creating like a slurry of salt or like almost like a paste of salt to put this on? Or am I just literally coating? You're coating it with like a quarter inch of salt across the top. All right. And my guess is like or meat side is down. Down. Is that on the grate or is that in a pan? So I when I do when I do that, I usually have it in a pan but with a like a cookie sheet or cookie cooling rack. Oh, okay. So yep. Another grate on top of there. So that way you get the airflow underneath it. So it's not sitting in the juice to get because you've got a lot of fat to render in there. Yeah. Like I said, you get this good, crispy crunch. There's a restaurant here called Hoodoo Brown. And that's how they do their pork belly. And it, like I said, you get this the texture of the crunch with the fat with the meat is just a cool experience and it's delicious. Oh man. And it uses the skin. It uses the fat. It uses every little mm-hmm. bit that I've gotten. And I mean, shoot, that's, that's what we're after here. We're after full consumption. So that's yeah. an excellent way uh, to be able to do that. Kev working with hogs. Now when you were saying you worked with wild hogs and you're up in Connecticut, are you getting guys bringing hogs back from Oklahoma and Texas or are you getting uh, the big hogs from Pennsylvania? Okay. So they're these getting some of those wild boar big ones. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That's a, my, I think my boar was pretty young. 
Um, I think he was probably 150 pounds. I mean, he was no slouch. Um, but at the same time, his he didn't have huge, prominent tusks. Now, his – shoot, those cutters would hurt. I mean, I'm looking at him, and I'm like, dang, man. If he – if it was a me and him in some real thick brush, like, I'd be nervous. But at the same time, I see some of these pigs that come out of, like, the northern – either northern Saskatchewan, Canada, and even then in Pennsylvania. These things are wicked. Have you experienced, either on the butchery side or even the culinary side, what's referred to as boar taint or that real testosterone-driven smell, the musk, if you will? So I haven't, but haven't. I've done, what, four or five shoulders now for these guys. and. None of them have had a weird smell, odor, pungency to them. So I don't know if it's, hey, they did a really good job of of getting it before it got freaked and it had adrenaline and it and it intensified that. Or if just I lucked out and they were all ones that didn't have it. Oh, okay, gotcha. And we we talked about it before I first cooked it. The first one, because they were all they were kind of all looking for the same thing. Okay. Did it have that oomph to it, I guess. I don't know good way to explain it. And we didn't find that. Gotcha. I have, yeah, micro uh, experience, but the the one the boar that I do have, he he must have been ready. He must have been with the ladies at some point because he's got just this hint of it. Like as I was butchering it, the meat itself really wasn't. I mean, I wasn't overwhelmed by anything, but like I could smell it on my hand. Like as I was cutting each piece and uh, moving them about, I was like, I, I could just smell, and it really was this like tangy vinegary musk that would just kind of hit you and you know at at the point i'm like this is all an experiment like i'm going to eat as much of this as i can i was nervous a little bit as far as like is some of it going to be so unpalatable that i won't be able to use it to use it but i took those double chops and it was off that one so again i mean and again it's one of those muscles that's least worked but after it got on, we gave it a nice um, coat of a seasoning, which it had some cumin, it had some paprika. It, it was gonna that seasoning, that rub was gonna hold its own. Um, but yep. putting it on those on those chops, I could still taste the porkiness, and that that tanginess, that that boar taint, was so like I mean it was just it was in the profile, but it definitely didn't take high high profile it was just kind of like in the back a little bit and i feel it really brought definition to what it was um gentleman i talked to his name was brandon and he even said that there there's communities that look for boar that are really rutted up that are really have a pungent pungent taste and so that was going to be my my thing for you is what was your experience with it when i did get the boar i knew like hey if i the longer i can age him in a cool environment, the longer that I can take care of this meat, 
uh, in a quick way as far as not letting it get warm, uh, doing a very thorough field dress job on him. That's going to be my best chance for getting the best quality out of this. And I really feel like I'm I'm really excited to see what the shoulder is going to hold for this, something that's worked a little bit more to see if that is a little more pronounced. Yeah, if it's if it's deeper into that. Now, are you going to take one? You you might probably don't have the facility to do it. One of the things that people will do with that pork shoulder too is you cut it up into pork steaks. So, like if you look at um, like down in Texas, snows they do pork steaks and it's cut from the shoulder. Okay, is so that the that the copa be, the copa muscle? Is that what they're making that out of? It's that top yeah, part they, right next to the the feather bones. Well, there. they cut it with the bone and everything. They they bandsaw it all the way across. Okay, gotcha. So you get this big chunk of steak, and it's a pork steak. Gotcha. And then they slow cook it, but it's taken off before it hits that full pork stage. So it gets a it's it's a different texture, and that may be a cool way to go with that flavor because you're gonna you're gonna slow cook it but then sear it a bit. When that when that bullet punches, that loose fat just kind of absorbs all the energy. When I took these pigs apart, I found shots that we took on these animals, and I found fragments of the bullet not penetrating. These are these are rifles. These are powerful rifles we're shooting these things with. I also found encapsulated shrapnel from previous shots. So the neighbors that took shot on these animals, I'm finding it in the fat itself. So I am curious to see when I get this bacon done. Like I might have a pieces of lead fragment still in there. We should, we need to cut around. And we'll do a little fur, further inspection. But man, they just take a beating they just absolutely keep on running they're made made to survive and so oh yeah that's the beauty i think of of when you get a hog when i've been gifted these this pork it's going to give me a flay i mean i'm getting a bang for my buck on this point i brought back several hundred pounds of pork that i want to say is free never mind the the gas never mind the uh <laughs> the equipment the, the that time. I took down there, the time, every you know, yada yada yada. It ain't free, but now nah, let's let's not worry about that. But at the same time, like like you said, each part of these this pork, as much as it's as I want to say that you know, beef is beef and and chicken is chicken. When I'm getting into this hog, like every aspect provides a new layer of flavor and texture that I I don't think I'm expecting yet and so that's where i'm i'm very excited about all of those so with those rear quarters um i got a full head i want to roast the whole head i want to do the full barbacoa yeah in the in the roasting pan i think i'm gonna go in the oven at that point but i want the the shoot i want the the lord not the lord of the fly yeah lord of the flies where they have like that they hang the head up, I think, at that one point. But I want to be able to pull yeah. that out and bring it to the table and just have this giant 
boar's head just sitting there that I'm then going to be able to then, yeah, shred meat off of, get get behind the eye, get all those pieces. Like, we're going full uh, full Neanderthal on that. So I got those jowls. Um, I brought, so yeah, one head is is going for that. So we'll get that jowl meat. I sent one head with another one of the gentlemen that I was down there with. And the the third one has actually gone to, um, actually, he's been, it's been chilling. Uh, I think I haven't, I have that one frozen too. I might go in and actually save the jowls on that one. I'm going to do a Euro mount on that one. That's my, my boar. And I'm having a buddy do a Euro mount for me where they basically, they get all the skin off, um, all the meat off and you're just left with the bone. And that's what I, I want to be able yep. to hang that up. Um, so I, I can save some jowls with the jowl. Is that going to be a quick sear? Or is that going to be something I want to be lower and slower going with a cure on? I, I like lower and slower on them. Okay. The most when I've had them has been when I've done a whole hog. So then I've pulled it off and, and it's, we'll say it's all shredded. That's the one thing when you do like whole hog. It's all full pork. Gotcha. At that point, you know, you're doing the whole thing. It's all correct. Gotcha. So you're, you're, it's all pulled pork at that point, but it's always been very tender, very good. Before we jump into going with this, the idea of the whole hog, we were, we were touching on the the hindquarters um, and I've kept all the hindquarters whole for the idea of, I, I do want to cure and smoke those and hang those for hams. Um, I know my in-laws, they do at Christmas, they do a, a big ham. And so I, I was telling uh, grandma, she's usually the one that we, she hosts it and she has it. So I told her, I'm like, Hey, I've already got the ham for next year. You know, right now it's a, it's a green ham. Uh, we gotta, we gotta be able to, to cure this thing down. Um, have you had your chance to cure hams? What am I going to want to look so- forward to on that? I mean, it's one, take your time. Don't rush the cure. Some people try to do that. Take your time. Don't rush it. And have you decided how you're going to smoke it? Like it, like what you're going to do, because that's trying to do that in your PK. Yeah, that's going to be difficult. Slow sm- yeah, you're, it's going to be difficult. I've got uh it looks like a little uh well it's an it's an electric smoker. Uh it's got like three, four trays that you can put into it. I was gonna net my ham and then I was gonna find a way to hang it from the top, whether I actually have to drill a hole uh with a washer on top to help support the weight, have a little uh, yeah. eyelet. But anyway, a little piece of wire. Yeah, hang that actually in there. it's an electric smoker. I know I was just given crap to being able to plug things in. I'm total hypocrite on it, but that's the fun part of it. <laughs> um, but that's that was the route that I was going to do, mainly because I could set that temperature and have it have it stay right there at that temperature. That the electric element does a very good job at that, and then I can then auto feed or go back and then feed. I was going to go hickory. Um, at the same time, I did bring down. Uh, it was two years mul- a mulberry tree. And I've done some venison with mulberry smoking it, and that's actually been super delightful. I've really enjoyed that. So I might even add a little bit of Michigan-esque mulberry 
uh, that, into this one. That, I've never used mulberry. I do a lot of apple. Gotcha. So that's big where I am. And so I'm hooked up with one of the apple orchards here. So when I do like competitions and different things, I get all of my wood from them. Yeah. Yeah. As soon, I mean, so shoot, pruning season, wood. you just show up and get it by the truckload. <laughs> yep. So I, I'm a big fruit wood person. So the mulberry, that, that would probably be very good on it. It is, it's sweeter. I, it would, it really does. I mean, yeah, it's a berry. Um, but at the same time, it really like matches up with apple, with uh, peach. It really kind of falls in with that same family. It, it re- responds very well. I don't quite have a palate yet where I can be like, okay, that was apple. Okay, that was peach. I'm not quite there yet. And I've been you, told that you can't. You get it to a point, <laughs> but until you've cooked hundreds of thousands and burnt hundreds of thousands of logs and known specifically like this is uh, this day I cooked with peach this day I cooked with cherry and you really do it like that it's it's not as easy as some people try to make it sound like it is right right all right that last good color from oh. the fruit woods um, which is that's why I was going to tell you. Okay, is you'll probably get a nice color on it with the fruit wood. And I'm, I want to do this rind off. I'm going to want to take that yep. skin off, score that fat. Then at that point, exactly. Good deal. Good deal. Well, the shoot, rind I'm doing that anyway. Skin. Yeah, because it's it's designed to keep stuff out. And right here, we're brining, or excuse me, not brining, we're curing. We're trying to get stuff in, so that's in. where we take that out. Yep. Good deal. When you had done whole hogs, so now we're jumping back to where, where you were alluded into there, that when you do a whole hog, uh, as far as either a catering or just a big event, the whole thing becomes shredded. Um, in In our shooting, we, I don't want to say inadvertently, because I mean, we were gonna. I was actually hoping to get some, but some piglets happened to fall into our crosshairs at just the right time. So I got three beautiful little piglets. Um, skin, or excuse me, I, I gave them the same uh, torch treatment, um, cleaned them up as much as I could, and I'm sure probably when I get them out, thaw them out, uh, get them ready for a suckling hog esque cook. Uh, I'm gonna have to do a little bit more cleanup on that. But as I'm doing now, if I'm taking one of these and I'm going to do a whole hog, what are going to be some of my steps that I'm going to want to be able to pay attention to? I mean, first, the apple does need to go into the mouth. Does it matter? Always. If it's, does it matter if it's a Granny Smith or a Red Delicious? <laughs> Take your pick. Take your pick. All right. But something's got to go in. Good. Good. That's what something's I wanted. Something's got to go in. <laughs> so I'm a little different. I always learned when, when I do my pigs, I always do them on their back. Okay, so skin down at that point. Skin down. And the reason I do that, like we just said, skin's designed to do two things. Keep stuff in, keep stuff out. If you do it on its back, all of that juice, all of that rendering fat, 
stays in. I like it. So that's my way. I do it. Again, there's a lot of different ways. Some people like to flip them. Um, Some people will flip them after. Especially if you get good crispy skin, which definitely takes time. and, And I've done it on some of mine and some of mine, I it came out leather. So that's one thing I'm still playing with to, to master that. But keeping it on its back, like I said, to me, you're, you're, it's a bucket. I love it. And I'm, I plan fully planned on doing some injection in there. And if my injection, if I've got, yeah, if I go back or if I go, yeah, back up at this point, all that's going to just run right down and go into my heating element, turn into smoke and vapor. Yeah, it'll, you know, we'll get some aromatics, but shoot, all that is now gone. Whereas the genius of yours, you've, yeah, you've created the bucket. It can't go anywhere. It's going to stay right there. I mean, there's one or two bullet holes we'll have to. We'll have to plug those up. We'll find a way to plug those up. But anyway, we'll keep those juices in. (laughs) Yeah, more apple, just a little wedge right into the side. That's another pro tip right there is, yeah, start out with it on its back. Um, I'm I'm glad to hear that, you know, that the skin, again, is tricky because I am am hesitant to see where these pigs end or these piglets end up as far as skin goes. I don't think I'm going to get the... uh, the beautiful crispy skin where, you know, you see the guy like rake his knife over it and then like crack into it. Crack it. But at the same time, I mean, if we get close, great, we're going to give it a shot. But other than that, I fully expected to uh, be able to pull off those quarters, shred up that meat, make it nice looking platter. I'll probably leave the head with the apple with it for presentation. But as far as that, that's probably going to be the extent of it. But I think having it on its back is going to be absolutely what I'm going to do. Yeah. Yeah, and I've done similar to you. I have a friend of ours that has a toy farm, I'll call it. And I went over. We were going to do a pig roast. He had already killed it. We went and gutted it, cleaned it. I did the same thing you did where I burned off all the hair, scraped all of it off, let it um, get cool to, to fill for a day. And then... I smoked it and it was, that was my first experience of actually getting to clean and gut and do all the hair, which was definitely an interesting experience for me. Yeah. Coming from a truck side of it, commercial side of it. Do you feel, I mean, we just talked about that, or I mean, at the beginning I talked about how like the curtain was revealed and I could see Oz behind did you have a little bit of feeling of that of like, man, if I now knowing where it, what processes go right up until I pick up this animal, is that helpful as far as when you now get to the aspect of cooking, the aspect of now being able to barbecue this? Does it give you a little bit more understanding? It gives you a little more understanding of seeing what went on, where things are, why it's splayed the way it is, why this is cut here, that kind of thing. So you understand and see it. 
So then you're not, you know, all those times when you cook something and you've looked at it, and you've been like, why does this look funny? What? Now I get it. It also gives me appreciation for what those guys do. Like, I'm glad I learned it. I'm glad I did it. I am happy to <laughs> let them continue right. to do it. <laughs> let them continue to do it. Like you said, the, the burning of the hair and scraping it off. It, it was, again, interesting to do. I did my two times, my first and last. <laughs> I don't need to do that again. It was especially all I had was YouTube. Yeah. I had no other learning process. I didn't know anybody. So because the guy I got it from, he would cut them. He would kill them and, and gut them. And then they would go and then he would take them to the butcher. And let them handle the rest of it. So he didn't really know what to do either. So it was a lot of YouTube, a lot of reading. And trying to sit and do it myself. Yeah. And when you got now. Which as you found. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot there. Several hundred pounds of animal. And you're like, man, I am. I'm out here in the sun. I'm out here in the warm. Like things got to move like fast. We need to be step one. Okay. Now step two. Now step three. We got, we have places to go. Things to do. Puts pressure exactly. on you. Well, I'm glad that you went that far and got to 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 experience that because, shoot, when I put an animal down, I I get to see it living, and I get to see that transformation from animal to meat. And I tell you that it's something that, as much as guys will continue to hunt and try to find bigger animals and you know more points, more antlers, bigger bigger this, bigger that, like the whole transformation for me is is the whole magic at that point to go from something that is that is turning grass or grain into meat and for me to then acquire that myself and to then take that and harvest the meat off this wild critter it's just i tell you it's 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 powerful and i know it, it work that's where I, you know a lot of guys will say this is when the real work begins and they're right because it's a powerful representation of shoot if we're going to enjoy meat we we got to know where it's coming from. We got to know what it's doing. And then the guys that take and, over. And I appreciate that that's how you look at it. Because so many people out there, one, there's a lot of people that hunt, like you said, just for the bigger rack, the, the, the bigger animal to put on the wall that don't appreciate the whole thing. But we're also in a place where so many people have no understanding of where their food comes from. They can't look at it. You know, that the old saying, can't you go get your meat the way everybody else does at the grocery store? And that for me, I grew up around animals, understanding that pig's going to be in my belly. I've, I've helped raise and show steers that have then I've gotten to eat and it is powerful, but it's a respect thing to me that you're utilizing this animal for nutrients 
but also enjoying what it can give to us. Amen, Kev. Amen. When I when I do my whole hog, and I I was already saying this to my wife a little bit. We're we're gonna do it for for Fourth of July, and I was telling her how I, I wanted to take the head off and turn and put that out as far as display. And she's she's already so she's trying to work me to to not do that because she's like that's and she she I I could get where she was going, but there's gonna be a little bit of you know it's. It's it's a party, Nick. Like, why do you have to, why do you have to display the head of the animal? Why do you have to add the shock value? But at the same time, I, as much as it is the shock value, it's like we're eating the meat of this animal. Let's know that it's an it's animal. It's a respect thing, as much as it is. Yes, I'm not doing it for the shock factor. If I was doing it for the shock factor, I would be taking the pig out as people are present and then go through the process. And that's, I don't want the yeah. shock factor, but at the same time to, to be able to, to basically have the animal fully on display here. Like, look what this, this critter gave and enjoy that sandwich that you have like that. Yep. That is ultimately why I'm putting that out there is it's, this is a, a full display of this critter. It gave its life, whether it wanted to or not, it did. And I guess the best thing to do we can do is give thanks to this thing. And if that means putting his yep. head head there on the platter too, front and center, then so be it. Absolutely. I like I said, I love I have a love hate relationship with doing whole hogs. They're fun. They're definitely a great show. The biggest thing that I have against them. They're very like doing them where you're going to purchase them and stuff. They're very expensive for really not a lot of meat. Oh, if you really look at it, because you're buying, like you said, 250 pound hog. Well, that's with the bone. So it's. A lot of people look at it and they go, oh, wow, that's huge. It's going to feed a ton of people. And it does not feed as many as people think. Bone weighs a lot. And as much as if you don't get to the point where the skin is going to be utilized, that's, you know what, that's a big skin weighs a lot. Hide weighs a lot. And if that doesn't get crispy and people don't consume that either, that's also going into the compost as well. Exactly. So that's, I like cooking them. They're fun. They're cool to see. But at the same time, coming from a trying to serve people food aspect. And yes, I'm in the job to make money when I do it. I want you to get the best bang for your buck. Gotcha. I can fill a lot more room in my cooker with just pork shoulders, just pork butts where this much of it is bone, you know, it's only, you know, not a pound, not even a pound of bone out of a 13 pound shoulder or pork butt. You can, I can fit a lot more meat on that cooker than what a whole hog will take up. Gotcha. Shoot. 
by the time this launches too, it's going to be right there at graduation party or graduation season. People are going to be thinking about what do I want to do with feeding all these people that are coming? Do I buy a whole hog and cook it? Or like you're alluding to right now, maybe just get a few more pork butts. That might be the the way to go. And a lot of people will do a suckling pig for the show. There you go. And the rest is a bunch of pork pork butts that actually feed. Gotcha. Again, the commercial the commercial tips right here, the king trade being able to to send these out. Well man, this has been a fun conversation, Kevin. Um we're here at an hour and thirty two minutes. I'm going to, man, we've been, we've been chatting up. I'm sure there's going to be a segment too with you and Mikey down the road here soon. Where can my listeners find you guys? Where can they tune into the barbecue chat show? Well, the easiest way to find the barbecue chat show is over on Instagram at barbecue chat, BBQ chat. You can watch our old shows. You can watch us live on Sunday nights. It is an 18 and older show. <laughs> we, <laughs> we swear, we, we go at it. Um, we post them on there. We also do have a BBQ chat show on YouTube where we repost the shows there. And you can also pull the audio to listen to them as a podcast. Nice. And then I'm on Instagram as at Wiley underscore e underscore bbq and mike is at man meet bbq on instagram and for his seasonings at fire and smoke underscore bbq but the easiest way to find us is on the barbecue chat page well good deal good deal i want to make sure to put um, your guys's handles, I'll put those in the show notes as well so that people can, can find those quick. So Kevin, hold on for just a second as I let our listeners on out. Well, folks, I hope that you are as excited for getting out and getting your barbecues warmed up as much as I am. I know the temperatures are still toying with us. We had sunshine today. Who knows? Maybe we'll have another squirt of snow here in the next couple weeks. But spring is finally here. We're going to be looking forward to big gatherings. And what better way to do that over live fire, charcoal, and wood that we can then apply big cuts of meat to. So if that is going to be something you're going to be doing soon, get out there and uh, scrape off that barbecue. Get that old char out of there and give it a, a good fire through to prep it up. The big cut of meat that you're going to use, maybe it's not going to be a whole hog. Maybe you're going to find yourself a couple small, or a couple pork butts. But whether you're prepping a butt or a picnic, or even if you are going the suckling pig route, make sure that the blade that you're using is very sharp.